expanded from across the universe. Three film buffs join forces to review the newest recently released superhero movies and TV shows. They are Kyle Wilson, John Jaso, and Tyler Honig, and this is the Super Film Club. And welcome back to another episode of the Super Film Club. As always, I'm Tyler with Kyle and Jaso, and this week we're going to be talking about DC's newest movie, Blue Beetle, and what is hopefully going to start off James Gunn's DC Universe. So, to get started today, Jaso, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so I was pleasantly surprised. It was relatively good. Was it amazing? No. But was it entertaining for about two-ish hours? Yeah. The story was very simple, but it, you know, had a very impactful meaning about family and being a superhero and, like, rising to the occasion. I felt like overall it was very paced pretty well. Like, there wasn't a bunch of, like, boring moments. It kind of went from, like, sequence to sequence to sequence, and it kind of, it was, like, paced well, and it made sense, like, the natural progression of things. Like, sure, were there times of, like, well, that's convenient. She's, like, running out of this building, and he just happens to pull up. But I'm like, that's exactly what would happen if I was reading, like, a Blue Beetle comic book. Mm -hmm. Or, like, going for a drive in the city and then finding the person who you needed to go find anyway and stuff like that. And, like, I thought the action fights were really cool, and I thought, I don't know, maybe if you guys agree, but the CGI was better than the Flash. Oh, my God, it looked so realistic, at least. I it was like, did, wow. Like, I could tell, like, it was a little, like, some kind of were a little rough, but overall, like, the fight sequences at the end was really good. The suit looked really cool, and, like, I thought the overall, like, the... Like, the way he's, like, suit came on when he, like, powered up with the Blue Beetle stuff, it looked so, like you said, real, mm -hmm. and I really liked that, because then it made me think of, like, the Flash sequence, where the suit, like, pops out, and he puts out, I was like, that, you could tell was stupid CGI, but this one, it's like, <laughs> they put some effort into it, and mm -hmm. I really liked it, uh, and I really am, like, I'm excited for, hopefully, another Blue Beetle movie, but I don't know if we're going to get one, because, like, it's bombing in the box office right now, which yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about later, but I don't believe it deserves to be bombing in the box office. It's like doing worse than Wonder Woman 1984 right now, which is a crying shame mm -hmm. because these two movies are like worlds apart. Like I Blue think Beetle, it's truly because Blue Beetle just isn't a household name yet. Yeah, I was hoping that Zolo would be able to carry it because of like Cobra Kai and like he's like kind of getting more famous. But yeah. I don't, I don't think he's got... And he did a great job. I think so, too. He was very good with the acting. He brought in a lot of my favorite qualities of mm -hmm. his character from Cobra Kai, of, like, that sympathetic hero, like, focused mm -hmm. on his family, very, like, compassionate. My God, that family made me cry. Like, that scene oh where God. his dad's having the heart attack and he gets hit by the harpoon and gets yeah. taken away. It's like, I almost had tears because I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. And we love this family so much. And laughter too. Like that was, he was hilarious Absolutely. in this movie. Oh yeah, George Lopez was great. I was so shocked. Yeah, so I mean, overall, I really, I really enjoyed it. But I guess I'm, the one thing I'm most upset about is, I guess Blue Beetle itself is going to be in James Gunn's universe. Correct. But it's not... Like, it's not fleshed out or it's not confirmed that Zolo's Blue Beetle is in the universe because, like, his James Gunn's universe is going to start with the new Superman movie. Correct. So, like, I'm kind of sad about that because I think there is a place for this in the in that, like, 
that universe. I just mm -hmm. hope they can carry it over. Because remember, this was initially supposed to be an HBO Max exclusive with Batgirl, and then they made it into a theatrical movie. Yes, which I'm very happy they did give it a theatrical release. Uh, well, I don't like that it's bombing in the box office. I'm glad that it got its due, and it's really, I think, Zolo's like first like movie debut. Yeah. Unless he's been in minor roles, but he's been pretty much just streaming service stuff because i think he's only really been in parenthood when he was a younger kid and then cobra kai was his big break into stardom and cobra kai started out as a youtube series yeah exactly mm -hmm. so but yeah i this is the first podcast episode in a while that i got positive things to say baby so let's hey. hope continue. we need to have like an air horn or something like <laughs> we're not bringing down the the mood anymore Soapbox for mm -hmm. <laughs> but is Kyle gonna own up to his new name of Why Do We Care Kyle? Actually, I was just about to start that. <laughs> I was about to say, why doesn't Kyle care this week? Um, I, I think the issue is is exactly what Jason was just talking about. Like, we know that Blue Beetle is part of James Gunn's universe as a character. But this movie itself, the actual actor who's playing Blue Beetle, like, none of that matters. I think. I don't know. Um, you know, even, like, I got jazzed by, well, not the second end credit scene. I didn't really care that about that. That was garbage. But, yeah, but the first end credit scene, I was like, oh, my God, like, this could be an epic sequel to the movie. But then I was like, but it probably won't because only the character is supposed to be in the James Gunn universe, which I guess if we get a second Blue Beetle movie, great, would love it. Um, but if we don't, it's just more of, like, Thanks for giving me another DC movie that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, all that said, I did enjoy the movie, like Jaso. Um, I thought it was really well done. The CGI was incredible. I'm glad uh, Jaso hit on George Lopez because that was my biggest takeaway. Is mm -hmm. like he was hilarious through the whole thing, and it wasn't even like. I mean, it was needed comedy, but it wasn't. I guess weird interjected comedy like it was all it all hit so well mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't know if a lot of that was from the script writers or the, the people who wrote that um, or if some of it was just kind of ad-libbed by him but it was incredible I thought he really stole the show um, as kind of a supporting character throughout yeah. throughout the movie him and his damn um, car I know right for real um, and then the other thing I kept thinking the whole time through was like, man, where's the Fast and Furious crew? Like, this movie is all about family. That's all they cared about. And, uh, and I was here for it. I love the Fast and Furious movies. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a guilty pleasure for me. But uh, just they, they focus so much on the family. And I think that rings true to so many um, Hispanic people um, mm -hmm. having a family and living with their family and kind of bonding over everything. And so, um, you know, I thought it was really, really well done. Yeah. So I also have positive things to say about the movie. However, we may not care about it moving forward. So <laughs> I did love the family. I loved grandma and how it's like, we find out she's some freedom fighter lady breaking out the submachine gun. Yeah, Incredible. Probably one of my favorite parts about this movie, though, was that they made the original Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, a retro kind of superhero and had his gadgets kind of be 
old school kind of silly because that's how the original Blue Beetle in the comics was. Like he was supposed okay. to be the C, if not B level-ish Batman of like, he didn't have as much money. He still was rich, but he had like grapplers. He had the Beetle Mobile, which was cool. My dad's biggest gripe with the movie was how does George Lopez know how to work every single thing in Blue Beetle's cave? And I'm like, well, it is supposed to be a little bit dated. So if he knows how to work mechanics and stuff, he should get it. But like, I did like seeing both of the original Blue Beetle costumes. Um, just, I thought the gadgets altogether were very neat. And I liked how they went around that. And especially the beginning part where they were doing kind of the intro credits, you're seeing the newspaper clippings and some of the files. And apparently, I read this today, there was supposed to be something about, like, a green streak, and that was supposed to be a nod to, like, Green Lantern. So, Tyler, I know you're still kind of giving your thoughts on the movie. Yeah, you're Can good. Can you tell me, is Blue Beetle supposed to be, um, I know you kind of said a B-level B Batman, but is it supposed to be comparable to Iron Man in the MCU? Because I kind of got vibes of, like, them being similar in the sense of, like, having a suit, I guess maybe not the money component, but mm -hmm. I mean, in this movie, it was owned by a corporation that had a lot of. I mean, Ted Cord is rich know. in the comics. I, he's not necessarily Bruce Wayne rich. Sure. I, I, would say I know what you mean with Iron Man, but I don't know if that's the best choice out of the MCU okay. to pick. But I'm okay, also having a hard time picking out who. I would almost say, think of like a Justin Hammer just not being evil. Like he's always second fiddle to Tony Stark. Like, the DC com comparable to Tony Stark would be Batman, but just minus, like, the fancy tech suits. It's just, like, the rich guy vigilante kind of mm -hmm. thing, but just more dark and gritty. Because at least with the newest iteration of Blue Beetle, which I'm assuming they're going to keep basing it off of, he's, like, a kid, and he's part of the Teen Titans at yeah. one point. So I would imagine that's where they'll do it. So what I'm hoping for is if they do do a Teen Titans movie, which James Gunn would be stupid not to, yeah. uh, then that's where they can bring back Blue Beetle as like another okay. thing. Because they have confirmed in the Blue Beetle movie he was at Gotham University, so we know... That yeah. is true. <clears throat> we saw his, like, his jacket he was wearing when he came back yeah. in the early part of the movie. Um, it was so cool to tie that in. That was cool. Though. Um, but yeah, so Ted Court, original Blue Beetle, had no powers, just gadgets and stuff. Jaime Reyes, he had, like, the scarab that's an alien device and stuff, kind of almost like the Venom symbiote. So he has powers where the other one did not. And I think it's interesting they want to do Jason uh, Sudeikis from Ted Lasso as Ted Court Blue Beetle if they bring him back. Hmm. Which I could see it. I don't watch Ted Lasso. So. I, I don't either, but he was like on Saturday Night Live for a lot of years and stuff. Oh, and Jace is losing his mind that we haven't seen Ted Lasso. Though, Kyle, did you know the first episode of Ted Lasso, he is the coach for the Shockers at Wichita State? I did not know that. I have he's, a, the, he's the football coach. I'll share some, some things off this podcast with you all about Ted Lasso. That's uh, fair. That I, I find are hilarious, even though I've, I've never seen the show. <laughs> Stay tuned yeah. for the Super Film Club After Hours. Mm, the Tyler and Jaso <laughs> sharing all of Kyle's secrets. Yeah. Um, if you work for Wichita State, don't listen in. Um, but no, yeah, I, I just was impressed with it. I thought the villains were okay. Like, I really did end up hating the aunt and stuff just because I think she played a very good bad woman. 
Um, I didn't really get Carapace. Like, I felt for him in the end. I thought that was a neat little backstory. I thought that was weird of how to bring OMAC, which is like the supercomputer that almost takes over the world multiple times. And it's like, we're just going to attach it to some random dude. And I don't know. I just was not as impressed with that. I thought they could have maybe picked a better villain. The other uh, interesting movie comparison I had was near the end, you kind of see all of those um, OMAC devices or yeah. people kind of, uh, I don't know, in the in the web of, I don't even know what it is, but it reminded me of The Matrix is where I'm going. Sure. Um, kind of the scene where you have all the all the people kind of in their pods, that, that scene really reminded me of The Matrix a lot. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't. I did a terrible job explaining that. When you see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> um, what did you all think of? And I can't remember her name now. But the girlfriend in the movie, which I actually found out her and Sholo are dating in real life. Nice. I thought she was fine. I don't. I don't know. I. I, I mean, she was like I a. Yeah. Was yeah, like... I don't want to say like I could take her or leave her. Like I don't. I like, I get why she was involved. Like, she was, you know, important to the story to serve, like, kind of that romantic interest, but also, like, to kind of give him reason to be going after the Scarab. So I kind of, like, I, I don't know. Like, it was not necessarily needed, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Right? They, I feel like they could have rewritten some things just to get her not involved in the movie. Like, other than maybe, like, looping her in with the original Blue Beetle, which was, like, a nice touch, because then it would make sense, like, why he's not around if you wanted to have that direction. But you could have honestly also just had Jason Sudeikis in there. It could have just been, like, a budget thing, where instead of having Jason Sudeikis as the old Blue Beetle, and, like, oh, this, like, Jaime Reyes is doing his internship at mm-hmm. Cord, you know, Tech or whatever, and, like, then it activates, and now he's like, I have to get you out of here, and, like... There, boom, I just rewrote it for you. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, but have, like, that component to it is right. fine, I guess. It's not, yeah, it's like take it or leave it. I don't hate right. it, but it was also, like, I could do without it, too. I guess it also helped him, I guess, understand how Cord maybe isn't all evil at the yeah. end of the day. And, like, she did care about, you know, the community there and that she wasn't just going to destroy it and build another, you know, building or whatever they were alluding to with that component um but i don't i don't know i just it was fine yeah she was there yeah and then um when Jaime gets the blue beetle scarab and it activates and starts to take over they're like oh my god it crawled up his butt oh god (laughs) that was hilarious they're just like oh my god like praying and everything and then she's on the phone talking to the police and it's like yeah, he, he's missing. Um, no, I don't know. He, he just left a couple minutes ago. He flew out of the house. We have a giant ro- a hole in the roof. Yeah. Yeah, that whole thing was... And like, wait, he's back. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, it, was, it was funny. It was incredible. I thought, you know, that was a really great way, I guess in all the, all the right ways, uh, as opposed to the Flash opening up with its sequence of the oh, God. Like, that was all the wrong ways to introduce the Flash, and I feel like this did the exact opposite. Like, it really showed... And again, I guess that's where I got Iron Man vibes. Like, he was flying all over the place. It, it mm-hmm. felt very much like the first Iron Man movie, where it's kind of showing off the suit, kind of showing off its abilities to, um, you know, go through the city and showing you some of the, the scenery. Mm-hmm. Um and whatnot, but I really liked that whole, 
don't even want to call it an opening sequence because it was kind of, I don't know, almost a third of the way through the movie. Um, it wasn't super early on, but uh, it was really great to see that whole sequence. You bring that up, and I do agree. Like, when you're seeing the world through his eyes in the suit, it does very similar right. to Iron Man, and he sees right. all the circles and can zoom in on things. And I did notice that, too. I'm like, wow, that's very Iron Man-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did also like that they, you know, brought in, like, the AI component into it. Like... I feel like it, him trying to figure all this stuff out and based on the pacing of the movie, it wouldn't make sense for him to like just start learning how to do this. So I really liked how like you had mentioned Tyler, the symbiotic nature with the AI, like mm-hmm. he was becoming acclimated and it was like, let me take over or like, let me just like control the body so I can tell you, show you how to do these things. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the what only part of the movie I did not necessarily like was when he's kind of like on death's door and he has to like jump and the suit's just kind of like hanging out there. I was like, that's kind of flashy. Like I thought that was a little bit of crappier CGI. They could have done something different than that. I got where they were trying to be like symbolic, like we're going to grab hands and now we're merged. But I kind of thought of that, that was the weakest part of the movie. Yeah, for sure. What did we think of, um, the blue beetle not wanting to kill another person because that was kind of crucial to the plot of really allowing this this other villain to kind of keep being a villain and kind of keep sure going along is that i mean in the dc comics is that something that is crucial or or part of the blue beetle or was that kind of maybe written in more for the story i mean the scarabs are kind of built to go to war so there's multiple of those scarabs across the world of the universe They're called, like, the Reach, and so they're used as, like, body armor to go to war, and this one's kind of like a rogue one because it's never come to Earth before. Um, But, uh, Jaso, you were going to say something. Uh, I was going to say, I thought it, like, added depth to, like, the movie, too, because it kind of, like... Because I don't know much about Blue Beetle, but I do know it's, like, like, like you had said, entirely, like, alien stuff, like, meant for war. And it's, like, a very much a part of, like, Jaime Reyes being, like, a superhero of, like, not wanting to kill. So it's, like, it, it's like an, it just adds, like, a little interesting dynamic to the character. Mm-hmm. I think it spoke a lot that at the end of it, it was, like, no, we don't kill when uh, Jaime was the one that wanted to kill the guy. And it's, like, we don't kill. And it's, like, oh, wow, it's learning. They're, they're growing from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I mean, for me, I felt like... Throughout the movie, I was like, oh, this is just keeping the plot kind of going by him not wanting to kill him. Because he had such a great opportunity early on, and obviously that would have cut everything short with with that component. And so I wasn't sure if it was more built in for that. I didn't love it, hate it, you Mm -hmm. know, either way. Um, But it was definitely an observation I had. Sure. Um, I kept thinking, too, as I watched the movie about all the soldiers that go up against him and stuff, and he just wipes the floor with them. I'm like, damn, what is their pension and stuff? Like, they got to be getting some good benefits, get the, get the crap kicked out of them all the time. We're like, oh, okay, we'll just shoot this family, and it'll be fine. No one cares. Yeah. I did think it was interesting. Um, you know, I go to the movies quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, for the, the listeners who don't know. Um And so I see these trailers all the time, um, especially for these big tentpole releases. And I thought it was real interesting how much of the movie they showed in the trailer, because I kept waiting for the sequence 
where he creates kind of that Final Fantasy-looking sword. Uh, <laughs> and it never came until literally the last, like, ten minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so I was... I think I'm constantly shocked at how much trailers show away these days. But I thought, especially so with this movie, I mean, it really gave seemingly a lot away about the movie, um, which was real interesting for me. Because, like I said, I just kept waiting for that scene, and mm-hmm. it, it never showed up. Yeah, I would agree. Because I was like thinking back, and when I got home that night, I like rewatched the trailer, and I was like, yeah, you kind of get the the vibe of the movie. It's yep. like entirety, except for some of the context from this trailer. But yep. I thought about it too, and I was like, it was just a fun movie to like go and like just right. hang out and like watch. Like it didn't need this big like. I feel like who was it? There was some like podcast or like news art like interview about like superhero fatigue, and I was like, I didn't realize how much of that was like settling in for me with like all of the Marvel stuff and like everything, like especially with like Secret Invasion and like being able to just go to a superhero movie and just watch a superhero do superhero things rather than like looking for like the connections how is this gonna play into the next film this was like a really good just like go enjoy the story have fun with it share some laughs like i just snacked on popcorn and drank my my cream soda and ate my bunch of crunch and was like having a good time and i didn't need like because like I stayed for the post credit scenes and I was like oh I don't really need this but it's like oh cool it could continue but I'm also be happy if they did it because I thought it was like, a cool story. Mm-hmm. My my coworker brought up a similar comment to that where she was like well why does it all have to connect like why do you care so much about this and I'm like honestly if DC came out and said you know what we're just making DC movies and that's it like they're not they're not part of a bigger universe they're not going to connect. Like, I think some of these would be so much more enjoyable, but the fact that they have set it up as we are going to have this universe similar to the Marvel universe, like, we expect so much more as a viewer. And I think it would be nice if we could just go back to the early 2000s and go watch a superhero movie and enjoy it and then not expect five more movies to have to come out. Yeah. Right. And we put so many of them under a microscope that like the flash, I think so many people wanted their hand in the cookie jar. That's why it got so bad. We're like blue beetle. They were like, I mean, we're going to make money off of it, but we're not as worried about it. So make the movie. It'll do what it'll do. And those ones are the ones that do so good. Cause it's one person's story, the directing, the writing, um, and it just, it goes really well. And you can see that by the CGI and the characterization of all the characters in the movie. Right, you didn't have to like go back and sit through the slugfest that is the DC universe right yeah. now. And you can just go in, know nothing about it, and have a good time. That's why I wanted to see Batgirl. I knew there were going to be some pieces of it, like Michael Keane's Batman coming in. But I so badly just wanted to see it because I thought that they did such good work with it. Yeah, I just wanted to see Brendan Fraser as Firefly. Yes. <laughs> um, what I, go ahead, oh, Kyle. sorry. I was no, no, go ahead. One more piece. I, you know, I think the, the other long-term issue of having a universe is, like, how do you introduce new people to this? You know, we talk about it, well, at least I talk about it all the time on this podcast. Like, I've never read any of the comics. And for me, some of the reason that I haven't jumped into the comics is just the daunting task of, like... Mm. I feel like I can't just read Spider-Man. Can I? Yeah, I probably can. But, like, I would want to know so much more that it's like, 
I don't have time to read a thousand comics to try and, you know, make all these connections and understand everything. And I feel that way about Marvel. Like, some people go and see these movies, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and it's like, if you haven't watched WandaVision, you're going to be so confused during parts of this movie. And it's just, it's overwhelming to have 30 movies, seven TV shows, and if you're just turning, you know, 15 or, you know, whatever, and you want to start watching it, it's such a commitment to just sit down and ingest all of that media. Yeah. So. I mean, spend a half hour on Wikipedia, Kyle, you'll learn the whole history of (laughs) Spider-Man. I mean, at your nearest Barnes & Noble, you can get yourself some good compendiums of just comics that that are the big hitters and spend like 30 bucks and and treat it like a novel basically. and marvel and dc are always rebooting their stuff so give it up year and it's a new number one exactly That's fair. well barnes and noble if you want to be our sponsor let us know oh please um. i would love that <laughs> oh my god yeah i would love that too oh um, <laughs> i would jason you brought up a fun thing about what you eat at the movies and i thought about doing this um what is everyone's like go-to snacks when you go to the movies Oof. I mean, I can start, so you know me. I get my Barks cream soda, and I do popcorn and some type of candy. It's either Milk Duds or Bunch of Crunch or Reese's Pieces. This week, I, or this past week, I went with Bunch of Crunch. Nice. What is I Bunch of like Crunch? It, it's just like the Nestle Crunch Bar, but like little, yes. little clusters of it. Yeah, it's in the blue box, just like a, a Crunch Bar normally mm-hmm. is. Yeah. That is so wildly different from my go-to movie snacks. <laughs> oh, yeah? Um, yeah, so I do uh, an icy, big fan of the ICs. Um, and lately I've been doing the Sour Apple Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle icy. Mm. It's incredible. So if your AMC has it, go go grab that. Um, my go-to, I do popcorn, of course. I feel like you can't go to the movie and not get popcorn. Um, and then my candy of choice is something sour. So mm. the Regals in town have sour Skittles, which are my absolute favorite. Mm. Um, I love just, you know, killing the inside of my mouth with sour Skittles, but, uh, sour patch kids are a close second. Okay. My go-to anymore is medium popcorn with butter, um, getting junior mints. And then I really like cherry ices, but my, uh, Cinemark has been running low on that lately. And so I get a cherry Coke instead. Yes, that's an okay substitute. Junior mints, what are you trying to brush your teeth with chocolate, you <laughs> grandfather? I mean, I will say, when I eat the junior mints, I have to eat some popcorn because junior mints and the cherry Coke do not mix well together. No, the cherry icy feels like it wouldn't mix well with that either. Probably That's not. That's an awful combination. You can't eat any of that synonymously because sometimes, like with my candy, I'll throw it in the popcorn for like a nice like little treat. And <laughs> That's fair. What is wrong with you, Tyler? God damn, screw you, Jason. Here I am hopping on a soapbox. Man, I try to open up to you, try to tell you what I enjoy eating, and you just shit right on it all. No more. You can't open up anymore. Your takes are stupid. (laughs) It's a terrible trip to the movies. Um, Jason, do you do butter on your popcorn, or are you no butter? No, I like it just uh, just unsalted, unbuttered popcorn. 
Oh, are you bland, I, bitch? I, I, I just stick to a nice diet of eating as healthy as I can. So, like, that's why I get, like, the soda, because I don't really drink soda unless I go to the okay. movies or, like, go out to a restaurant, maybe. And same with, like, candy. Like, uh, my dessert later is I'm going to take a Pop-Tart, freeze it, and then, like, eat that. And it's, like, a nice protein Pop-Tart, so it's, like, a healthy Pop-Tart. That sounds terrible. I, it's actually really good. It's just a healthier alternative, you know? We're, we're dropping some pounds. It's a, it's a hot chaso summer coming at you. There we go. Spoiler, it's almost fall. Maybe. It's so hot. Maybe. I'm just going to layer up, and then when the cut hits, and next summer for all these delayed movie releases... <laughs> I'm going to be going out in my dude bro tank looking caked up. There we go. Incredible. Do you guys ever get uh, nachos, pretzels? Do you ever treat yourself to something a little more? I've tried the pretzels, but I always feel like they cost so much for how little you get. I've been spoiled. If I want to go to a movie theater and have, like, real food, I'm going to go to Alamo. Oh, I mean 100%. And get the chicken tenders with the spicy ketchup, Mm -hmm. like, uh... Like we did back in the day. I miss the buffalo wings there. Those were kick butt. The pizza was like decent too. It was decent. The popcorn was good. And it was limitless. Yeah, then I could also get like a beer. Oh, the the alcoholic milkshakes they had there. Oh, what movie was it? They had that really good like chocolate peanut butter one with like some like chocolate liqueur, liqueur in it. Was that one Shazam? I think that was Shazam, yeah. Like, I had that, and it was like, oh, fudge, that was good. <laughs> How did that mix with the promotions of Shazam? That does we not don't ask like questions. Shazam yeah, we don't ask questions. And have a good time. Like, it was <laughs> so good. Okay, that's fair. Oh, that's I need fair. to go to Alamo. I miss Alamo. My closest is Omaha. My closest uh, is a 30-minute train ride. In 20 minute, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Alright, let's look up. Jason's like, see y'all later. I gotta go to Alamo. I gotta go. I need an alcoholic milkshake. Um, Incredible. Well, any final thoughts about this particular movie? I know it's nice that it was good and stuff, but I feel like because it wasn't as negative, we didn't have as many things to discuss about it. I know. I feel like we had such a short discussion. Um, We have hit the half hour mark. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like maybe that's that's also to the point of, I don't want to call it a basic movie, but, like, the plot was was there. Yeah. Like you knew what was going to happen. There's just not a whole lot to talk about, you know? It was yeah. good. It was a fun time. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, that's it. Yeah. yeah. It was a good time. I don't regret seeing it. It was fun. I walked out of there feeling good. And, like, wow, yeah, I, I enjoyed that experience. And, like, yeah, it was a solid B-level action movie. Nothing too fancy, didn't need a whole lot of depth to it. Like Kyle said, you kind of knew he was going to win out in the end because it was that, you know, can't be a hero story. And that's sometimes, that's just what you need. Mm -hmm. And God bless whatever the assistant guy's name was who at the final hour helps out Jaime and closes the door. And he's like, what about you? He's like, dude, I'm going to be fine. And then there's Omac in the background just shatters his face. He was not fine. (laughs) He was not (laughs) Took him, take him, blowing out his back to a whole new degree. Mm-hmm. I thought he was kind of a weird character, though. Yeah. Like, he was kind of like the, the weird science nerd that was in there. And then, like, ultimately, I guess he was the reason that all of this happened anyway. Because he, he wasn't in his office or left his office when his girlfriend, when the Blue Beetle's girlfriend went in and stole the, mm-hmm. the scarab. 
I don't know. He was definitely a bigger part. Um, you bring up a good point, Kyle. In and out, unattended, and that's a crime in and of itself. Yeah. It, they never explained. So we know that Ted Cord had the Blue Beetle scarab at one point. We never find out how it got stuck in that egg and why it was in like Antarctica or wherever it was. They left a lot of things just kind of there. Know, yeah. It almost felt, it's been a, a minute since I've seen the Green Lantern movie, but it, I think that movie also has like a, a green crystal or something that they're digging out of ice. Am I incorrect? Am I thinking of a totally different movie? I don't think you're wrong, but I, I it's Aben Sewer gives him the ring and it's like in a in a a stone or something too. Is that what it is? I can't remember. I there's some superhero movie that they're digging something else out of ice and I'm like, this is the same I mean they dug Captain America out of the yeah, ice. That's what I was thinking. Maybe was that it? <laughs> they dug Captain America out of ice, yeah. <laughs> was there not a um uh, a stone, a tesseract, a tesseract. That's the word. Oh well, he probably ha- or they probably found the um, the tesseract okay. near him. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe clearly I'm a fake fan, you all. So uh. <laughs> true. <laughs> Drag this man in the comment section. God. Please do. And our on our fan Reddit page, Drag Kyle. <laughs> um. Well, let's give our um. Final thoughts about it in as far as what did you rate the movie? I know we all know we rated it, but for the fans, maybe they'll be surprised. If you follow me on Letterboxd, I gave it a three and a half out of five. <laughs> I will also plug Letterboxd, so that way maybe we'll guilt Tyler into finally getting it. He just um, needs to download the app. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Maybe Tyler will uh, include our, our I, I don't know, Letterboxd handles? What? Usernames? I don't Ooh. know what they're referred to. Maybe he'll include that in the uh, description. Maybe I yeah, will. I anyway, uh, I also rated it 3.5 out of 5. And I don't have Letterbox yet, but I also <laughs> agreed that it was 3.5 out of 5 stars. So I think this is the first time ever we have all agreed on one movie and how we would rate it. So monumental day, everybody. Happy day. <laughs> um, and I think the next show we were going to do was the Groot shorts that are coming up in September. And I'm then, very excited I for that. Think so. Yeah, I think those will be fun. And then please note that we are thinking up some fun episodes as well to talk about some things since... We're going to be having a bit of a lull between shows and movies. So be looking for some more stuff from the Super Film Club. We'll keep you entertained one way or the other. I know we're supposed to do Marvel and, and superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if anybody wants to have some Star Wars content, I would not be mad. Uh, I, we could definitely do an Ahsoka, I think. I think it's warranted. I think yeah. so. I would absolutely love it. I still have to watch Andor so we could do an Andor review. Oh, well. Ew. Oh, um, I heard. I heard that was okay. Oh no. <laughs> ah, um, we'll explain it all to Jay. So off of the podcast. Right. That'll be the after dark episode again. So. Well, uh, we started this podcast on a high, and we we brought down the mood real fast. All right. Well, with that, um, thank you so much. As always, this is Life Story. If you liked it, give a like and subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, I'm Tyler Honig.
Queso. I'm Kyle Wilson. Excelsior.